Welcome to this presentation from the Downey Seventh-day Adventist Church. We are located in the greater Los Angeles area at 9820 Lakewood Boulevard in Downey, California. We would love to have you worship with us any Saturday you are in our area. Today's message is, Can Faith Fix Anything? Now, here's Bill Almay. We're starting a new series today. This is called Crazy Things We Believe. I had a really hard time naming this series because I wanted to call it Mythbusters. But I really didn't want to get sued by the TV program. So then I thought, well, maybe I could go with Myth Blasters. That would be different enough. But that sounded like a video game or something, right? So then I was thinking, you know, stupid things that even Christians believe. That didn't flow very well. So we ended up with crazy things we believe. And every time I say that, if you just think Mythbusters, that will make me really happy. But this series is going to dovetail with our previous series, Prepared, very well. Because remember, Prepared, we cut right down to the bare core of what we believe. That Jesus died for my sins and rose again. And it was kind of an inside, outward-looking view. This time we're kind of starting on the outside and looking in. We're going around the edges and looking at some of the beliefs that maybe we've picked up over time, that maybe we didn't evaluate that closely. Maybe it was something that mom and dad believed, and so we just kind of picked it up. Or maybe some of our friends, or somewhere at school, or work, whatever. And we never really carefully evaluated this belief. It just kind of is there. It's kind of like cleaning the dust bunnies out from under your bed, right? I don't know how they got there, but there they are, right? So we're going to take a look at some of these things and, and see whether we really believe them or not. And today's message is, can faith fix anything? Right? Can faith fix anything that happens to us? Because there's a lot of Christians and Christian leaders and evangelists that will tell us, if you just have enough faith, anything is possible. And you, you see them on TV all the time. And if we have enough faith, God will answer our prayers. Have you heard? Name it and claim it. Have you heard this? And when you look at the Bible, there's some things that could make you think that. Let's take a look here, starting with 1 John chapter 5. It says, in fact, this is love for God, to keep His commands. And His commands are not burdensome, for everyone born of God does what? Overcomes the world. This is the victory that has overcome the world, even our faith. God is telling us that our faith is a powerful thing. It's what overcomes the world. The Message Bible says the conquering power that brings the world to its knees is faith. Well, that sounds like if I have enough faith, I can do anything, right? Of course, we all know Philippians 4.13. I can do how many things? All things to Christ which strengtheneth me. We're going to come back to that one. And think about all the hymns that we have that talk about faith. Right? We, um, we have the mighty fortress anywhere with Jesus because He lives. How firm a foundation. It is well with my soul. My faith looks up to Thee. 
My hope is built on nothing less. Tis so sweet to trust in Jesus. Just to name a few. These are all things that tell us how strong our faith is. And, and you know, faith does give us power in this world. You guys are aware of Hebrews chapter 11, right? Hall of faith. Hall of fame for faith chapter, right? Look what he says, starting in Hebrews 11.32. He's already talked about Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Moses, and a couple others. And then he says, What more shall I say? I do not have a time to tell about Gideon, Barak, Samson, and Japheth, about David and Samuel and the prophets who through faith conquered kingdoms, administered justice, gained what was promised, who shut the mouths of lions, who quenched the fury of the flames and escaped the edge of the sword, whose weakness was turned to strength and who became powerful in battle, routing foreign armies. Women received back their dead, raised to life again. Wow! That's the kind of faith I want, right? I mean, come on! Can I get an amen? Right? I mean, stopping the lions, quenching fire, beating armies, raising the dead to life. That's, wow. That's the kind of faith we want to have, right? Problem is, there's a fly in the ointment. Because the very next line in the Bible says, there were others who were tortured, refusing to be released so that they might gain an even better resurrection. Some faced jeers and flogging and even chains and imprisonment. They were put to death by stoning. They were sawed in two. They were killed by the sword. They went about in sheepskins and goatskins, destitute, persecuted, and mistreated. The world was not worthy of them. That's powerful. They wandered in deserts and mountains, living in caves and holes in the ground. Now that's a really different picture than what we just talked about. Can you imagine in Sabbath school, the Sabbath school teacher up and said, Hey, we're going to talk about faith, kids. I want to tell you about the kind of faith that will get you cut in half. I want to talk about the kind of faith that's going to keep you poor and destitute your whole life. I want to talk about the kind of faith that's going to make your friends hate you. Yay. Right? That would thin the herd, wouldn't it? So what do we do with this? Nobody's interested in that kind of faith. And that's why some of these preachers preach what we call the prosperity gospel. You've heard this, right? If you have enough faith, God will give you what you want. He'll answer your prayers. And this is the kind of message that's popular. It gets people coming into church. That's what people want to hear, right? The world is broken. And I want to believe in a God that can fix things. And the only person that gets prosperous from this gospel is the preacher. 
Because the people come in and they pay their tithes and they buy the books and the CDs and everything and, and he's the one that's prosperous. What does that tell us? Now, the thing is that I believe in a God that can do those things that we talked about. I believe in a God that can shut the lion's mouth. That can protect the three worthies from the fire. That can help Gideon and his band of 300 men armed with torches to rout an entire foreign army. I believe those things. What I don't believe in is a bunch of preachers who tell you you can have anything you want if you just have enough faith. Because the Bible doesn't tell us that anywhere that I can find. Right? And so these teachers, sometimes they have this this view and, and they tell you, you know, if you come to church and if you... If you um, have enough faith and if you pray just right and if you visualize success and if you're faithful enough in your prayers that God has to answer you. And, and, and there's this, this conception or this, this idea that, that somehow we can make God do what we want Him to do. That if I pray the right prayers, I say the right things, I sing the right songs, and I push the right buttons and pull the right levers, somehow I can turn God into a big vending machine in the sky. And I can get whatever I want. And if it doesn't work, it's your fault. Because you didn't pray just right. And you didn't have enough faith. And if you had done it right, God would have given you what you wanted. I read a story about a guy who was listening to a Christian call-in radio station. And the guy on the radio had, you know, one of those smooth radio voices. You know, the guy, we're here tonight talking about God. You know, that, that voice. And this lady called in, and she'd been going to a new church. This lady happened to be blind, um, but she was going to this new church, and she liked this church. But a few people had said something to her that that kind of bothered her, was making her question some things. And it turned out that some of the people at the church had told her that the reason she was blind was because she didn't have enough faith. And if you had enough faith, God would heal you of your blindness. And she wanted to know if that was true. I mean, is that really right? If Am I blind because I don't have enough faith? And the radio host asked her if she had one of those white sticks that the blind people use to navigate around. She said, yeah, I have one. So the next time somebody says to that, you smack them upside the head with that stick. And you say, if you'd had enough faith, that wouldn't hurt. <laughs> I don't know if that's the best advice. But I get his point, right? I get his point. See, there's this whole mindset that that faith is a tool you can use to get what you want. And if you had enough faith, you'd be healed, you'd be successful, you'd get the job you wanted, 
You'd never have suffering or pain. And if that was true, didn't Paul have enough faith? I mean, how many times was he in jail and beaten? And they threw so many rocks at him, trying to stone him to death. They left because they were pretty sure he was dead. Didn't he have enough faith? What about the apostles? Didn't they have enough faith? According to tradition, they all died a martyr's death except for John. Didn't they have enough faith? What about Jesus? Didn't Jesus have enough faith? I mean, he entered into extreme suffering. Remember what Jesus prayed that night in Gethsemane just before he went to the cross? Let's look. Luke chapter 22. This is the prayer Jesus prays. Father, if you are willing, take this cup from me. What's he talking about? The crucifixion, right? I mean, he's not talking about a physical cup. Okay? Take this from me. I don't want to do this. This looks like a whole bunch of no fun. Right? I mean, Jesus was human. And he looked at that and said, Boy, is there another way we could do this? Now look what he says at the end. But not my will, but yours be done. That's faith. That's faith. See, because some of us think that, you know, what faith is, is that I write down my needs on a piece of paper and I hand that to God and I say, God, this is what I want. But faith is handing God a blank sheet of paper and saying, God, put on there what you want. And I'm allowed to make requests. I'm allowed to make my preferences known, just like Jesus makes his preferences known. But I trust you, Lord, to fill up the paper. That's what faith looks like. That's what faith looks like. See, Jesus never talked about this name it and claim it. I mean, you can't find that anywhere in the Bible. I've looked for it. It's not there. Look at what Jesus told his disciples. John 16.33. It says, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have what? Trouble. Trouble. Does God promise you a good time? Easy street? Everything is going to be all right? In this world you will have trouble. But take heart, I have overcome the world. You are going to have trouble. If you don't understand this, if you don't get this, you are going to be one disappointed little puppy. Because this is, this is tough. You are going to have trouble. There's going to be days that you struggle. Days when you want to take that kid back to God's return desk and say, take this one back, I want a different one. Those days happen. Those days happen. 
in this world you will have trouble. And if you don't understand that, this leads to a really warped view of God. See, if you believe that faith is something you can do to get God do what you want, and you pray for this stuff, and you don't get it, what do you start to think? God doesn't love me. God doesn't care about me. Maybe there is no God. And this can actually make you leave the faith. A misunderstanding of faith can cause you to have no faith at all. Back to Philippians 4.13. I can do all things through Christ which strengthen me. We've talked about this text before. Because I believe this is one of the misquote, most misquoted texts in the Bible. I mean, you see it on athletes' t-shirts. I can do all things. Guess what? No, you can't. i got news for you. So, you know, let's go down to the hospital this afternoon. We're all going to give the doctors a break, and we'll take over the ER. Because we can do all things through Christ. That's a good thing, right? We're going to go help sick people. What a disaster that would be. What do we have here? One nurse, two nurses. we got two nurses here today. And the rest of us probably faint at the sight of blood, right? You can't do all things. And in fact, that's not what the Bible says. Because if you read that chapter, he's talking about all the bad things that happened to him. Prison, jail, the beatings. And then what he basically says is, I can endure all things. The NIV does a much better job translating this, I think. Because it says, I can do all this. Referring to all those things that had happened to him. Through Him who gives me strength. It doesn't say I can do all things. It says I can endure all things. I can handle all things through faith. See, and our problem with faith is that we want God to do things on our timetable, our way. God doesn't work like that. And most of the time, that's probably a good thing. Right? If God's making you wait for something that you've been praying for, you're like, God, how long are you going to make me wait? You're in good company if you have to wait. Joseph waited 15 years. Abraham waited 25 years from the time Isaac was promised to when the child was born. Moses waited 40 years. Jesus waits nearly 20 years, 18, 19 years working in his father's shop from the time he's 12 years old when he tells his mother, I'm about my father's business. He doesn't show up till he's about 30 or so. That's 18, 19 years of working in a wood shop, doing manual labor for something that you could speak into existence. I mean, think about that. I don't know if any of you ever tried to make anything in woodshop. It can be a frustrating experience. Especially when your father is a master carpenter. 
and he makes it look so stupid easy. And then you try it, and it doesn't look anything like that. Right? And he spent a long time working in a wood shop on things that he could speak into existence. Because sometimes you have to wait. Listen, my point is this. Faith is the victory that overcomes the world. I absolutely believe that. Our God does mighty things in response to our faith. Our God is faithful. But He doesn't do things on our terms, on our timetable, in our way. That's not how it works. And the best example I know of how it does work is the story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Sorry, I always want to say Rakshak and Benny. Any VeggieTales fans here? It's much easier to say Rakshak and Benny than it is Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. But it's a great story of faith in Daniel chapter 3. You guys know the story. They've been taken prisoner back to Babylon. The kings had a dream. Daniel interprets the dream. And then the king twists that dream and builds a 90-foot tall statue covered in gold. Now I want you to think about a 90-foot tall statue. How tall of a building do you think that would be, like in stories? How many stories would be a 90-foot building? we got a fireman here. They teach you how far it is on each floor? No? Yeah? How, how, tall, how tall would 90 feet be? I, it's an eight or nine-story building, right? Somewhere in there, depending on the building. Eight or nine-story tall building. There's no buildings in Downey that tall. Right? What's the tallest building in Downey? Embassy Suites? The hospital? Maybe Embassy Suites? What's Embassy Suites? Like four stories? Five stories? Eight? Eight? I didn't think it was eight. Oh, you're staying on the eighth floor? I guess they know. All right. I I had forgotten the embassy suites. I was thinking maybe it was the hospital. Maybe it's embassy suites. So we don't even have a building in Downey as tall as this statue was. Okay? This is a pretty impressive statue. Covered in gold. And the king calls everybody out and says, All right, when the band starts jamming, everybody bow down and worship the idol. And of course, the band starts and everybody bows down except for... Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And the king calls them over. And the king is pretty lenient with them, because kings usually aren't that way. And basically says, man, I know you guys, and I like you guys. You're friends of Daniel. I get it. So, you know, maybe you misunderstood. So we'll give you another shot. Are you sure you're clear on what you're supposed to do? And here's the classic response that comes from them. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied to him, King Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves before you in this matter. Oh my. That's not how you start talking to the king. 
If we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God we serve is able to deliver us from it. And He will deliver us from your majesty's hand. But even if He does not, we want you to know, your majesty, that we will not serve your gods or worship the image of gold you have set up. But even if... But even if. King James Version says, but if not. Right? We believe our God can save us. But if not. Of course, we know the rest of the story. King gets upset, fires up those furnaces and throws them in. And God does deliver them because of their faith. And a couple centuries later, there's some other believers that were facing certain death. The Nazi forces had been pushing back the forces of Britain and France and pushing them back and pushing them back and pushing them back till eventually they were at land's end. They were stuck on a beach in Dunkirk. Some of you remember this movie from a couple years back. They managed to get three words out to the people in England. But if not. And everybody in England knew what that meant. We believe in a God that can save us. But if not, we will not bend. We will stand here and defend. And for some reason, Hitler does not advance and crush them when he could have. And historians always wonder why. Why didn't Hitler keep going? He had them. As Christians, we believe we know why. Because God stayed His hand. And over the next nine days, England got together every ship, yacht, rowboat, and dinghy they could find. And they rescued 336,000 men. Their faith is what helped them overcome the world. And that's what God can do. That's the kind of faith we should have. The faith that stands firm even in the face of certain loss and death. But to have that kind of faith, you have to belong to Jesus. Some of you have been coming here for a while. And it might be time for you to sign up to belong to Jesus. If you're in that boat, I want you to take out one of those cards there in front of you in the pew. Put your name on it. Certainly put a way for me to contact you, an email, phone. Because you cannot have this kind of faith if you do not belong to God. It doesn't work that way. 
don't wait until it's too late. Because our faith can fix things. But not on our timetable. And not in our way. I'm sure those soldiers on the beaches at Dunkirk didn't think it was going to end with them getting rescued on private ships. But God is a God of surprises. Amen? Amen. So I encourage you today, if you don't belong to Jesus, to make that commitment and let us know. Take one of those cards, fill it out, either hand it to me or drop it in the offering. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, we ask that you be with us today. That you help us have the kind of faith that we read about in the Bible. A godly kind of faith that hands a blank sheet of paper to you and says, Lord, you fill it up with what you think goes on there. And I'm good with that. That's a hard thing to say, Lord, and a hard thing to do. But Lord, we ask that you give us the courage to do that. To stand up for you and to stand up for your faith in the way you would have us to. We ask that you be with us now in Jesus' name. Amen. We hope you have been blessed by this message from the Downey Seventh-day Adventist Church. You can find more messages at www.downeychurch.org. God bless.